The Library by Francis Rosenfeld. Eleventh scene. What's up? Number one climbed on top of the flat boulder where Gwen had retired in search of solitude. To anybody else, she would have looked like she was meditating, but not to him. They were sitting cross-legged, a good height above the desert, and from their elevated viewpoint, they enjoyed the beautiful panorama of it at dusk. Gwen put a long pregnant pause between the question and the answer, one which, to be sure, would have garnered applause in any theatrical performance, and then declaimed, with the pathos only afforded to the young. What is the point of all this? Meaning alert. Number one yelled at the top of his lungs, loud enough to reach every eardrum within range. Gather round, everybody, we have an emergency. The point of this. Number five mumbled, irritated because he was woken from his afternoon nap. Whatever gave you such a silly idea? Have you been listening? Gwen snapped. I don't have to. Do you think you're the only fool who thinks there's got to be some deeper meaning to this nonsense? Of course there is meaning. Number six protested, outraged. Agwash. How can you even look at this beautiful landscape and not understand there is purpose and thought behind everything there is? The former pointed to the intense purple, pink and orange sunset, which looked like an artist's psychedelic dream world. Oh, yeah. Number five retorted, God made the sunset just for you. Wait until he makes you a sunrise. That's something worth waking up for. That's not the point. Number six fretted, uncomfortable. You find meaning in what is. You don't expect the meaning to be manufactured for your personal use. Actually, I'm not sure that's true. Number four intervened. How can you know this existed before we could see it? You can't. I'm sure it existed before your highness deigned to look kindly upon it. Number seven chuckled. Define existed. Number four continued, unperturbed. That's too deep of a question. Number one took the subject and ran with it. You really can't define existence in the absolute. Things only exist for you because you are able to observe or conceive of them. Can you say something exists if you have no way of knowing or verifying it? And now we are back to the tree falling in the forest when nobody is there to hear it. God, I hate this topic. I was hoping to never visit it again. We can't. Number one jumped to his feet and pointed emphatically at the unfortunate young woman making her crumble under the weight of scrutiny. Gwen here is having an existential crisis. Yeah, and we're making it worse. She's questioning existence in general now, not just her own. He turned towards Gwen and addressed her in a kind tone, completely out of character for him. Don't waste your life with existential musings, child. Just live it. Live it. Gwen's inner anguish made its way to the surface like lava from a volcano. Live it. There is no safety, no comfort. Even the bare necessities are in question. Every morning I wake up in a cold sweat wondering if that damned bread is going to show up in the cupboard. By ten it's a hundred degrees out there and my greatest joy for the day is to find an egg that was actually laid by a chicken. How do you even have chickens here? You know what? Don't answer. I spent four years studying the greatest minds of civilization so I could get stuck here. Hacking smelly fish. Covered in guts. If you really studied those great minds, 
we wouldn't be having this conversation. Number seven replied. All I do is struggle to survive. What do you think life is? Number seven blurted, exasperated. Do you want your life to have meaning, princess? Keep your lights on. If you're still consuming resources by the end of the day, you won. Surely you don't mean that. Number four contradicted him in a soft tone that felt comforting. Why don't you tell her? Then, you seem to have gotten it all figured out. You have to see the bigger picture. Number four obliged. You're more than Gwen. Stuck in the wilderness. You are a vessel for humanity. You carry the entire human civilization within you. Everywhere you go. Including here. Even your being alive is proof of that body of knowledge. You survive because you already know how to build a fire. I don't, actually. Gwen blurted, embarrassed. Theoretically, number four continued seamlessly. We really should teach you how to do that. How come you never learned? It didn't seem like an essential skill for my future. Gwen mumbled, distraught. And now it is. Learn? So, I wasted four years studying completely useless stuff. Indeed, number eight emerged from his silent cocoon. So isolating people actually forgot he was there. Alle Theorie, lieber Freund, ist grau, aber der goldene Baum des Lebens sprießt immer grün. Number seven said. See, if you didn't waste those four years, you'd already know what he said. Give the girl a break. Number seven, number four intervened. No one person knows everything. And I truly would. Number seven continued. If she studied astrophysics or chemistry. As he continued, his face turned deeper and deeper shades of crimson. But she studied literature. Literature. Do you have any idea how much this incenses me? What is the point indeed? She got that right. That has nothing to do with what's bothering me now. Gwen brooded in silence. We're digressing. Number one steered the debate back to the subject. We were discussing the meaning of life. That's a groundbreaker. Number seven scoffed. Bray tell. Maybe we should allow someone else to voice his or her opinion. Number one shirked the subject. You haven't said a word. Number three. Is there any bread left? No. Number five said. I finished the last of it. A tentative chicken approached the group and settled down in the fine dust by the rock to listen to the conversation. After it reassured itself nobody was paying it any attention, it started preening its feathers, raising up tiny clouds of dust to fend off bird mites. There is no way this stuff is real. Gwen's eyes opened wider, hoping maybe then they'll be able to see through this acid trip mirage into the real world behind. Knowledge is not a utilitarian pursuit. Number four filled the gap in the conversation. Not at its score. Otherwise, we'd have no need for literature, philosophy, or art. We don't have any need for those. Number seven replied. That's exactly what I said. Number four agreed. It's not a matter of need. I disagree. Number six joined in. I believe they satisfy a deep psychological need. If you say that need is to find meaning, I'm leaving. Number seven got up. You have such a dismissive attitude towards the human spirit. Number six disagreed. We're not machines. Sure we are. No, we're not. 
Okay, we're intelligent machines. What's intelligence? That would be the capacity to adapt to changes in one's environment. Gwen. You're welcome. Gwen used the slide as an opportunity to ask another question. Do you think we'll ever be able to get out of here? A long thinking pause ensued, followed by an avalanche of overlapping commentary. So garbled together Gwen couldn't make up any of the answers. I'm guessing that's a no. She remained silent, unwilling to add to the glut of rhetoric. If there is a here, that is. If this is a bad trip, however I may have happened upon it, then it's not a matter of getting out, is it? It's a matter of waking up. It's always a matter of waking up. Number one smiled, pleased. I'm glad you've been paying attention. If it is that simple, why don't you do it? Gwen replied. What makes you think I didn't? Gwen gave up the fight. There are situations in life when all your knowledge and wisdom can do is add to your confusion by smothering the messages your intuition screams at you. Your intuition doesn't worry about looking silly and will always tell you what it believes to be the truth. Of course, said in her voice also acts like a five-year-old with no ability to control itself. At this point, Gwen would have taken any advice, even from an inner voice like that. But that voice was now quiet, and all she could feel from it was fear of the unknown. That's helpful. She added instinct to the list of useless stools in her survival arsenal, and then remembered someone was feeding them every day. Someone, or something, was responsible for putting bread in that cupboard so they could find it every morning. Maybe that someone could help her. Don't tell me you're going to ask God for meaning now. Number 8 burst out, furious. Perish the thought of using your own brain. You mean to tell me you never ask yourself how that bread gets there. And that is precisely why we are drawn to the pursuit of knowledge. Number four pointed out. That didn't answer my question. Why does everything we take for granted happen? Why does the sun rise every day? Actually, we do know that. Number eight corrected him. Fine, why is there light and matter? Why don't we fall through the earth? Why doesn't time run backwards? What is outside the universe? We all live in a cocoon environment, controlled by our knowledge limitations and the things we take for granted. In this cocoon, the bread in the cupboard belongs to the second category. What does that have to do with meaning? Number one intervened. Absolutely nothing. So? Why are we talking about it, then? Yes. Speaking of things we take for granted, did anybody bother to gather the eggs? It's getting dark. Number six and number three got up in a hurry and started looking behind rocks for the next morning's breakfast. Did that answer your question? Number one turned towards Gwen, satisfied with the depth of inquiry. No, 